We're into the final two races now, and it's all to play for in both championships. But will a new circuit on the Formula One calendar produce any surprises next weekend? Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast, everybody. This is episode number 156, where we're going to be previewing the 2021 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. I'm your host, George Housen, and joining me today are Tom Horrocks from the Monkey Seat podcast. Hello. Tom Downey from EF1. Hello. And engineer Owen Medford. So, lads, before we get into the show, I'm going to give a shout out to Jay Ritter on iTunes. He's given us a five star review on iTunes. He said, I'm a new fan to F1. I've tried a few different podcasts, but this has to be my favorite. Let's go, Gasly. And he spelled Gasly with a six there. So, yeah, so I think it's a. I think there might be a little spelling mistake for you there, but yes, yeah, thank you for your review. And if you guys leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we will give you a shout-out at the start of the show, just like that as well. And you'll be entered into our competitions, which I will tell you more about as the show goes on. But yes, so we have a fantastic battle this year in the championship, both the drivers and the constructors. But even though there's two races to go and it is still close, I think it's fair to say, Tom, uh, Tom Horrocks, that is, that uh, Hamilton realistically probably has to win this race this weekend. Um, I don't know if he absolutely has to win it, but he certainly needs to finish ahead of Max Verstappen, uh, or it certainly would, would be the ideal scenario. Uh, going into the last race, he needs to make sure that um, Verstappen following, following him home in second place is not going to be enough. And the only way realistically that's going to happen is if he outscores him um, substantially. So uh, it's... Um, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, certainly finishing ahead of him will make things a hell of a lot easier for him. So, uh, so a, a win is the ideal scenario. Plus, we've also got Hamilton's record of of uh, God knows. I don't actually know how many it is now, but the amount of new new tracks that he's won at, the amount of individual tracks he's won at, uh, it would be uh, nice for him to add Saudi Arabia to that on the first time of asking. So, uh, yes, he's. Uh, I mean, the pressure's on, but he's certainly got the momentum. But uh, if you're Max Verstappen, you don't believe in momentum, so that doesn't uh, affect you anyway. So, uh, yeah. Yes, it should uh, he, he definitely needs the uh, definitely needs the uh, uh, rubber the green for this race. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, it's only an eight point gap, but if it's Verstappen first and Hamilton second, which it has been a lot, it's probably going to be those two right at the front. We don't know, of course, but given how this season's gone with those guys' forms, absolutely. And and you're right for your point out as well that Hamilton has done very well at new tracks in Formula One. I mean, Qatar was just the latest in a series of brand new circuits that he's won out on the first time of asking um so yeah uh let's let's get on to the actual the track itself though it is a brand new circuit it's a street track in the saudi arabian city of Jeddah. it's going to be a night race but the biggest question for me though tom downey is is the track going to be finishing time um <laughs> i knew that good to me um <laughs> I always give you the easy ones. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... How do I put this? It's a Middle Eastern country with a reputation for getting things done at the last minute. So whilst it might be in a state of question of whether... of people questioning whether it's going to be finished in a week, I think we all know it will be finished in a week. And people will be working, how should we say, around the clock to make sure it is ready. Mm. Oh, what I mean, fundamentally, it's got to be ready for what Thursday when the teams rock up. Even you know, even what before that. Um, although, to be fair, I did see pictures. I think last week or possibly the week before of the circuit, and it looked like the pit buildings were actually finished. 
Um, so it does look like a significant amount of progress was made over the last few weeks. And I know that people were working later into the evening, mainly because of the cooler temperatures. It was easier to work in because I could not imagine working in that heat. Um, I think it will be done. Um, it's just maybe questionable about how it got done in that time. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say that we do visit some countries that have some questionable human rights, to say the least. And Saudi Arabia, unfortunately, is right up there with those as well. Um, those who are viewing on the on the video podcast will notice a little difference in all of our backgrounds. Uh, we'll probably we'll get into that a bit further on in the show as well. But yeah, they, I think Formula One released a video uh, from the Jeddah circuit, obviously probably from a few months ago that it was actually recorded. But the track was nothing like that. It looked very much like a half-built building, building site at that point. It was miles off, and that wasn't just the, the surroundings and the grandstands, but also the actual surface, the actual tarmac. Uh, it didn't look anything like being done. Um, but the fact that they haven't said anything yet, and it is Saturday as we record this, uh, just over a week to go until the Grand Prix itself, you think that it's going to be done. You think they would have cancelled it by now if it was going to be cancelled. So it does look like it's going to go ahead for, for better or worse, but it does give us this round and then Abu Dhabi a week after uh, to conclude the championship. Um, but let's just talk about the circuit itself, Owen. Obviously, I mean... For, uh, players in the Formula One game will have experienced this track. People who have watched the the onboard videos as well from the simulations will have seen what this track is all about. It's an, it's the highest speed street circuit on the calendar, which sounds great in theory, but I think the big problem around here is going to be a real lack of overtaking because there's not many spots to do it. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult. Um, there's not a lot of uh, large braking zones a lot of the time. Um, I, I, full disclosure, a lot of the uh, a lot of the information I, I've got is from the racing game. So, you know, bearing in mind the validity of some of that, um, which you know we've all got our gripes if you ever played it. Um, but there's there's not a lot of long braking zones. Um, initially, the first sector looks all Red Bull. Uh, it's all ch- it's for sort of changes of direction that should suit them, um, but. Once you move into the second and third sectors, there's quite long straights, um, quite sort of meandering straights as well. Um, so it's, you know, it, as I say, it's it's there there is um, sort of space for Mercedes to come back there, um, and bearing in mind that they should be running um, Hamilton's uh, Brazil spec uh, power unit uh, rather than a bit of the older one, um, you know, you'd expect them to turn the wick up as well, uh, just because as as Tom said, they they really need to get him in front of Max Verstappen um, wherever he finishes uh, in the points, just so that um, it makes his life easier going into Abu Dhabi. Um, but yeah, I, d- I don't, you know, it's it's quite narrow and uh, and there's it doesn't look like there's a lot of lines for overtaking. So, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be uh, a thriller of a track. But I've been wrong before. Yeah, let's hope that it's an entertaining track to watch the cars race around. I'm just not very hopeful, personally. I think qualifying could be interesting, though. Um, Not least just because there's going to be problems with traffic, people trying to avoid them, but also just because the sheer speed of the cars with very narrow walls. I mean, it's the opposite problem what you have in Sochi. That's walls that are very wide, so it just makes the cars look slow. I think around here, the cars will look incredibly quick, especially with being at night, too. Um, 
And something else we need to touch on. I mean, obviously, we've you know we don't know which way the championship battle is going to go. We keep thinking it's, something's going to happen, and it usually doesn't. <laughs> you know, we keep trying to predict it, but it doesn't keep working out. But this season, especially recently, i.e., two weeks ago at Qatar, Mercedes seemed to do very well in cooler temperatures. Which, although obviously it's very hot in Saudi Arabia, in de- even in December in the day at night with being the Sahara, uh, the Arabian Desert, it's going to be very cool. So in that sense, Tom. Is it advantage Mercedes going to this one or are Red Bull going to do well around the street track like they traditionally have done quite a bit? Well, yeah, it's got some very similar attributes to Baku, which we know was was very, uh, very good for Mercedes. Sorry, uh, for Red Bull earlier in the season. It could have been good for Mercedes after uh, Verstappen's crash, but uh, uh, then Brake Magic had other ideas. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think there's sections of the track that are going to suit Red Bull, as as was said earlier, and there's going to be sections for Mercedes. I just, um, on, I have to say, that on Thursday night, I had a dream. I sound very Martin Luther King, but I had a dream that uh, that. There, I was watching the race and there was crashes left, right and centre. It was literally like Spa 98, but at every corner. Um, and there ended up being about three finishes. So I, I hope we don't see that. But uh, it's... Um we we don't know it's it's very high speed very narrow i don't i think it's probably going to be more like what we saw the first year at baku where if we had any support races which we've got formula 2 i believe i think anyone who's looking for some action watch the formula 2 races there because they're going to be chaotic but i think the formula 1 because there's so much riding on it they're going to be erring on the side of caution no one's going to be taking any risks um so i i don't think we are going to see a huge amount there certainly the temperature side of things i think will suit mercedes over red bull on that but i, I do think there is uh, some definite sections of the track that will be suited to that to the Red Bull. Not necessarily the uh, the, the high speed turns because I think uh, it's more the medium and low speed turns that the Red Bull tend to tend to favour. Um, but the uh, certainly the long straights and high speed turns will will suit will suit the Mercedes. So I think overall Mercedes will be the strongest package. Um, the uh, the quote mark spicy engine that they're they're putting in. I think they'll. They'll limit that as much as they can because they don't. We seem to have a bit of a situation at the moment with the Mercedes where after three races, the power unit tends to start developing issues. And what they don't want to be doing is they want to be going flat chat in Abu Dhabi. They don't want to be nursing any kind of problems. So they'll, if they've got a strong advantage at Saudi Arabia, then I think they'll dial that spicy engine back a tiny bit uh, just to make sure that it has enough punch left in it to uh, to give maximum power at Abu Dhabi because given that Rebel were very strong at Abu Dhabi last year yes Hamilton was coming back from Covid but even so Bottas was nowhere I, I just think that they're going to need that engine to be at its uh, or their internal combustion unit anyway was going to need to be at its strongest uh, ready for uh, ready for Abu Dhabi but uh, yeah I think overall you're right it probably is going to suit Mercedes just Three finishes and uh, crashes throughout throughout the entire race. That sounds like an F one twenty twenty one lob- open lobby on uh, <laughs> online. But there we go. Um, it is an interesting point that you raise about the engines, though. Um, you know, it. I, I mean, I've been having this thought, and I, I don't see it being the case, but it, it could be possible. Maybe that they'll take another penalty for Hamilton. I mean, it's only five places, and it's a brand new engine. It's a bit short time to use it, and it's a hard track to overtake around, but. They've surprised us before with how many engines they've been using. Um, I don't think it's likely, but I think it could happen. We'll have to see what happens with that, though. Um, something that's more likely, though, I think, it, even though despite of Mercedes's potential place advantage, uh, Tom Downey, would be uh, Sergio Perez being a real thorn in the side of both Mercedes, potentially, if he gets a good start or if he qualifies well. 
Um, you know, we know how well he can run the tires. We know how good he is around street tracks. We all, and we also know how good he is around what will probably be a low grip surface as well. I think he was very good around Qatar, considering. Um, so, could he be a potential deciding factor in this championship this weekend? Um, whether or not, sorry, I'm going to be my, me and my friend. Whether or not he's a deciding factor, I think he could have a significant impact to play um, on on the constructors in general. You know, because Red Bull and Mercedes are what split by five points, I think, at the moment, something like that. If that, um, the point point being, there's less than ten points between them. Plus, with points of fastest lap and all the rest of it, um, you know, it, it it could go either way. And I think at the moment, if I had to put my money on Perez or Bottas to not wrap up, but get the upper hand on the constructors. I think I put it on Perez at the moment. Um, with sort of like sort of like Red, sorry, Perez in his Red Bull role, I think he's better than Bottas in his Mercedes role because Perez gives Red Bull alternatives because we all know, like you said, George, we all know how good Perez is with the tyres. We know how long he can eke them out. You know, you know, we know he can make just about any circuit into a one-stop if he really needs to. The issue, not not even issue, because he has had some very, very good qualifying sessions this year, but we have seen him fail to get into Q3 or go out in Q1 a few times this year. And yes, he's done very well at getting through the field. And yes, Bottas is perhaps not as good at keeping him at bay as we've seen this year. But if Perez can start up the field, you know, get into a good qualifying position, whether that's second row or even front row, you know, you know, front row even better. But just say for argument's sake, we've got Max and Lewis on front row, which I think we all expect to happen, um, apart from some divine intervention. Um, if Perez can be in front of Bottas or even just behind Bottas, um, he can... He can effectively, I don't even have to face this, he can sort of sort him out, just leave the front two to do their thing. And then he can almost force Mercedes into committing both cars to a somewhat similar strategy. And then and then if if um if Mercedes didn't try and overcut or undercut Hamilton, they can they can um Paris and sort of just keep you know, try and keep him at bay, hold him up, just let them build that buffer. I waffled a bit then, hopefully that makes sense. It did, yeah. No, it's fine. It, it it's interesting what it's interesting what they're going to try with the uh, with the, with the second drivers. I mean, Bottas usually has not been effective at holding up Verstappen, but Perez has held up uh, Hamilton a few times. So yeah, it's um it's an it's an interesting one for sure. Those second drivers. Um, but yeah, who do you who do you guys think is going to come out on top of the championships? Is it going to be Red Bull? Is it going to be Mercedes in the constructors? Is it going to be Hamilton or is it going to be Verstappen in in, uh, in the drivers? Just let us know at F1 Chronicle on Twitter. Um, and also, I might as well mention as well uh, that uh, we're running free competitions at the moment. Like I've said a few times now, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel F1 Grid Talk, if you comment on the video proper itself, not just the live stream, the actual video itself of, of one of the podcasts, or if you leave us a five star review on iTunes, you can uh, get entered into you will get entered into a competition to win some merchandise from our store f1chronicle.com forward slash store. Uh, so let's go on to the next battle in the Constructors' Championship, that between Ferrari and McLaren, which is potentially mostly already over, some would say. But the thing is, if 
McLaren get a good result round this week and it could change. However, Owen, I think if Ferrari do get an all right result this weekend, like they did in Qatar, I think it's curtains then really for it. Oh, to be honest, I've uh, I've written off that battle. I think Ferrari's nailed third and uh and you know it would take a minor miracle, it would take really good points finishes from McLaren in both of the upcoming races, um, to even put that on the table. Um you know, I, I think the Ferraris have, have taken enough of a step that McLaren um, aren't in the position to catch up. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a boring answer, but, you know, I just I don't see the McLaren drivers, particularly with their drop in form, uh, coming back over the next two race weekends, um, particularly uh, in Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, I'm not I, I, I'm not sure really how Saudi Arabia will suit them. Um, at times, you know, they've shown really good straight line speed. Um, but other times, you know, they've shown that they sort of can't put it through the twisty corners that you actually, you know, the sort of medium speed corners that you uh, that are going to sort of dominate this track. So, I, and and when it comes to Ferrari, um, I think they've just sort of, uh, you know, they, they've got the high speed that they can probably deal with what McLaren do. Um, you know, the track's very narrow. It's, I think it's going to be difficult to overtake because of that. Um, you know, it, it would take. I think a retirement from from both Ferraris, which is not it won't be unheard of. I, don't, I wouldn't see. To, so I would say to see both Ferraris go out maybe due to a crash because I think we're going to have definitely some safety cars, a lot of safety cars, um, just because of the the, the narrowness of the walls and and the speeds that people are going to be going. Um, so that's the only way I, I can see McLaren um, coming back and 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 sort of stealing the stealing that third place. Mm, yeah, I know what you mean. It's been a real slip from McLaren in, in form, and they have been unlucky at times. Of course, Lando Norris was very unlucky with his um, uh, with his uh, <laughs> with his uh, his retirement. Well, sorry, not retirement. His puncture in Qatar um, two weeks ago. But at the same time, the form has slipped. I mean, uh, Norris was in third place, comfortable third place for a good part of this season. Now he's only one point ahead of Charles Leclerc, and not that much ahead of Carlos Sainz either. Um, but how do you reflect on? Claren's season this season, Tom uh, Tom Horrocks, because it's it's an interesting one. I think they've actually scored more points. I mean, I think they've got we do obviously obviously more slight slightly more races than last year, but I think they have scored more points than last than last year. So there is that, and they have got their first win. But it is disappointing that it's looking unlikely they'll get third in the constructors again this year. Yeah, I don't think it's quite as doom and gloom as it as it appears on paper. I mean, after seven, we had seventeen races last year. After seventeen races, McLaren had scored more points than they had done the previous year. They've continued on their upward trajectory, which is outscore that you know improve every year and they've definitely improved every year given that they were also hamstrung a little bit by the regulations this year in that they had to integrate a new power unit into the uh in, in, into that car which meant their development tokens had to be spent on that and the relative performance gain versus uh what they would have been able to do aerodynamically i think you'll you'll probably see it's probably not been that vast i mean we've seen this year just how far the the renault power unit is behind the others now they just in the this entire turbo hybrid era they'd never once managed to catch up so it was 100 percent the right decision for the future to move on to this um this mercedes power unit um or i mean perhaps you could say the best decision would have been not to leave the honda in the first place but even so you know that that's where they are and they're now with this uh with this mercedes power unit can that mean can they ever challenge Mercedes I'm not entirely convinced as to that um 
although we are seem to be losing different pe- you know high profile people from Mercedes every day at the moment as uh, another one has gone to Aston Martin recently but um but to get back to McLaren their their overall season definitely an improvement Ferrari were always handicapped last year you know they they were they were they were unproportionately handicapped last year compared to any other year uh given uh I'm not saying it's not fair but given what was allegedly happening with their power unit um that's was kind of like a punishment year for them so McLaren were kind of forced ahead of them in that fight. I mean, realistically, that fight last year would have been for fourth place, not third place, between them and Racing Point. So uh, the fact that they came third was a bit of an overachievement, and I think they'd have gone into this year expecting Ferrari to be a lot better, expecting Aston Martin to be a lot better than they were, um, not not knowing how these new regulations were going to affect every team. So given that they started in third place and and they looked like they were good for that third place, I think would have been an overachievement again for them. I think their business model would have been set out for a fourth place finish and that would have been their target. And third place, obviously they're going to fight for it and they're still going to fight for it till the end of the season, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's, it's going to cause them to have to remortgage if they, if they finish fourth or anything like that. I don't think it's going to make any major effect on their, on their overall season and if they base it a success or not I think whatever happens from here on out it's a successful season it just would be a little bit of a shame for the guy that was in the conversation for third uh, in Lando Norris ends up finishing potentially what seventh visit he'll end up finishing now if he finishes behind the two Ferrari guys which looking at the moment looks highly possible um, I do agree that you know even if uh, we have my, my dream comes true, uh, my my nightmare comes true, whatever it was, and we have all but two cars finishing the race, and those two cars happen to be the McLarens. Even with a one-two, that would that I still don't think that would be enough for them to k- take that third place in the championship. So because I just think Ferrari have got too much in hand, and they would outscore them in both races, and that would only put them back on an even keel with them just slightly ahead. So it's it's just too big a gap. So uh, yeah, it's 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 still a successful season. They're still building. They're still moving forwards, and it is is always going to be about next year. I just hope that they haven't done made the same mistake they made in two thousand and eight and put all their eggs into this third place basket and uh, and compromise next year's car. As long as they've they've got what they want for next year and they've they've put everything into that next year, then they can be right up there with the Ferraris, uh, Mercedes, and Red Bulls next year. Because uh, I I think there's only a handful of teams that can make that jump, and that's potentially Alpine and McLaren are the only two with the with the resources to make that jump into a title winning car next year. Just my opinion, don't at me, uh, but that's just what I think. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I, overall, it's still a successful season for McLaren, and Ferrari can be very, very happy with the progress they've made. But uh, it's kind of, I mean, I predicted them at the start of the season they'd finish second, but that's when I thought Red Bull were re-signing Albon, so uh, that that's why. But uh, yeah, once we started the season, they looked like they were nailed on for four, four, fifth. So uh, Ferrari have definitely, uh, definitely risen to the challenge, but McLaren cannot feel too disappointed with their progress. Yeah, McLaren have, have improved, and I, and I think for McLaren at the end of the day as well as Daniel Ricciardo, I think is finally firing on all cylinders. Don't get me wrong, he does have the bad race every now and again, but I think he is better on the whole. I think he's a lot more used to that car, which is good news for them for the future. Um, uh, also, good news for a team is Alpine. Now they got another podium. Uh, last time out in Qatar, Lonzo getting his first podium since his comeback. His first podium for seven years. First time he's on the podium, I think, since Hungary in 2014. Uh, a very, very long time. Many, many races been done uh, since then. So great to see him, a great champion, back on the podium, back on in the top three. 
And for Alpine, Tom Downey, it's it's very good for them because that really does give them a massive boost for fifth in the championship in the constructors, which is something that until very recently, I didn't think was going to happen because Alpha Tauri looked like they had the faster car, but Alpine, they keep getting the results. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I thought Alpha Tauri were going to be more or less nailed on for fifth in the same way that I thought McLaren were going to be nailed on for third. But this 2021 season just keep, keeps throwing curveballs left, right and centre. Um, obviously, uh, Alonso had a really good qualifying session and we know how good he is at getting a lightning start and we saw it again last Sunday. Um, you, know, you know, he got such a good lightning start. I thought he was going to push Verstappen off at one stage, um, but the two of them just, you know, just kept just about enough between them. Um, there was enough sort of racing respect, if you like, between them to not not have a coming together. But yeah, it, it was it was huge for Alpine. And in a weekend where I think certainly going into the race, I thought it was going to be advantage AlphaTauri because they're both drivers in the top ten. I was expecting to see both drivers finish at the top. Uh, well, sorry, not at the top in in the top ten in the points. Um, only for Dazzy to get done by Saturday and Sonoda to do what he does best um, and just die basically in in the race. Um, you know, it's a it was a pretty big point swing because they were I think they were even on points and I think Alpine were only ahead because they'd had a higher place finish or or or, the, or they'd had obviously they had the race win with Ocon so I think I think that was what put them ahead. In the constructors initially, but now that they've ta- they've taken a huge chunk of points to um to sort of get a stranglehold on fifth in the uh, in in the constructors, and unless one of the unless unless the Alpines have a double DNF or something, um, I can't see AlphaTauri getting back enough points because Aston uh, sorry not Aston uh, Al- Al- Alpine. With with Fernando Alonso, you're going to get some good results, even if they might be sometimes a bit unspectacular. And let's not discount Ocon as well. He's you know they've done pretty well between the two of them, and I don't think Gasly is going to do enough uh, because let's be real, I don't think Sonoda is going to be there every race. But again, next week is an unknown, so who knows? Um, but I'd say based on how things have gone so far, I would say Alpine are probably locked on for uh, for fifth. Yeah, yeah, and you were right. Yeah, they were um, they were even on points. They were even on 112 points before Qatar. Uh, AlphaTauri, despite their incredible pace and in qualifying and and practice as well, didn't score any points because of the strategy. So Alpine took a 25 point haul, 15 for Alonso, 10 for Ocon because he got fifth. Ocon did a very good job as well. Uh, he fought like a lion. Well, it was asked to fought, fight like a lion anyway by Alonso in in, in the race during that one. Um, but th- this is the, this is the thing going. Like, I th- I don't think anybody's going to dispute the fact that AlphaTauri have a better car than Alpine. But it's just it's getting the results because something always gets in the way, and it's not always Sonoda. It's not always Sonoda's lack of pace that stops from getting a double point score. It's also the strategy they need to sort that out because they could they could have an incredibly fast car again around Jeddah. I think they probably will to be honest given their form but they need to have a good strategy otherwise just going to get stuck in traffic yeah it's pretty easy to lose a race like that and uh and yeah, in some ways it's reminiscent for me of uh at the fact that you know Fernando Alonso is consistent enough and good enough that 
uh, you know, he can take a much worse, he can take a car that is objectively worse um, and uh, and mix it up with a, a Red Bull of some description, um, even if it's a little bit further down the grid than it was last time. Um, like it's, I, I think the thing is, AlphaTauri have the potential, huge potential. Like they could be mixing it up um, with McLaren and Ferrari uh, if they were executing things properly. Um, but the fact is that, unfortunately, just through driver error, um, strategy failures, just and sometimes just bad luck, um, you know. And and on the other hand, some very very good luck uh, for for Alpine Renault that they've you know kept themselves in in a close enough position in in a number of places that they can actually um, take those results when they come to them. I think it's uh, it's almost you know that they they're two sides that they're. Uh, so not two sides of the same coin, but you know that Alpine are doing everything that uh, AlphaTauri should be doing. You know they're capitalising on mistakes of others, um, and and they're making sure that they take a car that is worse and getting the absolute maximum out of it um, a lot of the time. Whereas AlphaTauri have a car that seems to be quick, and we've seen it time and time again through various different sessions at various different circuits. Um, but unfortunately. Uh, they're not executing that potential correctly, uh, and it's just it's disappointing to see. Um, and I th- I think it's probably cost them um, what could be you know what could have been a very good finish this year. Um, I hope it, go- it goes better next year, and that they they get on top of these strategy worry uh, strategy issues, and that Sonoda comes back stronger next year because otherwise it's you know it's going to be another long year, and Alpine could have stolen a march on them by then, you know, and you know, potentially Williams and, and Aston Martin as well. Um, you know, they, they, it's the sort of thing they need to cut out uh, because otherwise it's, you know, it's it's a rough, it's looking at a rough old time. Yeah, it is. That's the thing. They do have a good car. They've got a great engine in the back of it. Um, something that's all, you know, always eluded them. They've never finished in the top five in the constructors. Sixth is the, would be the joint highest uh, they've ever had, which is great. Obviously that, that in itself is good for them. Even, I think even when they, won a race last season with Gasly. I think they were still only seventh in the constructors then. And they wouldn't have beat that record um, when Vettel won his race for Toro Rosso back in 2008 as well. It's, it, has, it has been a very impressive season for them, but it's been a, also a season of massive missed opportunities for them. Um, something that could also be said of Aston Martin as well, Tom Horrocks, but at least in Qatar, they got some good points. I mean, I, I've said it a few times, but I've not been on a show since the Qatar Grand Prix, but... Lance Stroll in sixth place. I think that's an extremely impressive drive. Nobody was really talking about it. And here he is dragging a a low midfield car that high when they would have focused on next year well before then. So could they pull out another surprise in Saudi Arabia next week? Well, it's not going to affect their overall position of the championship. They're nailed on for that seventh place now. But uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with Lance Stroll's performance in in the last race. Very, very under the uh, um, under the radar. I have to admit, on the on the race review show for Grid Talk, when they got down to Lance Stroll, I was like, did I just doze off and we missed out an entire section of the grid? Why are we talking about Lance Stroll so early? Uh, I'd completely forgotten that he'd even come sixth. So yeah, it, it, it was a. Uh, I mean, there was obviously circumstances that that led to that, but uh, even so, it was a. Uh, keep your nose clean type of drive from Lance and uh, with that car being the seventh quickest car and Lance Stroll regularly scoring or not regularly but occasionally scoring like eighth ninth and tenth places and then this one sixth he's kind of putting that car you know slightly below where it should be uh, with a bit of attrition and then Sebastian Vettel is putting it pretty much where it should be so uh, it's 
they've they've obviously sacked off the season very early. They haven't had a double points uh, double point score since when was it? Uh, like I think race six or race race eight something Tom, like they that. Got, they got they got double points in Qatar. I'll stop. Yeah, there. yeah, but apart from, <laughs> but apart from yeah, I mean apart from that, you know what I mean. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's. It, <sighs> You completely derailed me. <laughs> sorry, sorry, mate. I had yeah, to yeah. say it because if I didn't say it, somebody else would. Yeah, no, absolutely, out. absolutely. But yeah, no, it's fine. It has been a but very it's, long time. Yeah, yeah up, up until that, it was say a very, very long time before. So they, they obviously turned off, turned off development very early on, um, because things just weren't going well. So yeah, I don't think they, they've got nothing to fight for now for the end of the season. They're, they're well ahead in the, uh, in the constructors ahead of, uh, ahead of Williams, who have also switched off, uh, and they're, uh, nowhere near, nowhere near AlphaTauri. But, uh, again, they, they should have been, and it's been really a, a very, a very difficult season for them in that sense. And I know they've, they've, you know, they, they were talking themselves up at the start of the season and, you know, we're going to be winning championships and not so much this year, but, you know, there's going to be the progression there. And people were even saying, God, Aston Martin are looking good. And I have to admit, I even bought into the hype a little bit. I thought, yeah, they were going to be up there. I mean, I did predict at the start of the season they would be sixth, but um, I didn't expect them to fall this far. And I expected them to be, uh, you know, at least in a fight there. Uh, but I thought it would be a lot closer than it is. So, yeah, they... they I don't think they're they're in for a bumper season. I think just the the, the punches and and everything else that happened, all you know, on the face of it, realistically, they would have only got their usual ninth, tenth place at the end of the last race as it was. So uh, I don't see it as um, as like a renaissance for them for the season. But uh, yeah, they're just kind of like just seeing the season out now. Really, it's uh, it's it's not they're not going to create many headlines now unless unless Vettel can uh, drag it up to another podium and hopefully not get disqualified this time. <laughs> yeah that one's still very fresh in the memories that for for a lot of people but even with even without that disqualification or they still would be down in seventh there'd still be a ways off alpha tower in sixth uh but yeah you're right it, it you can't really see them doing too much maybe stroll and vettel would be able to run the tires long get a lucky safety car or something you never know they could get decent points but they're not going to get up to sixth. That's that that ship has well and truly sailed. But they are at least sa- safe from the eighth place team, which are Williams, another team that have improved a lot this season. Uh, but again, have not had a points score for for a while now. Obviously, nowhere near as long as the weight they had before they got those points in Hungary this year. Um, but at the end of the day, all their emphasis is on next year. However, the car is usually not too bad to qualify. It's going to be very hard to pass round. Uh, Saudi Arabia as well, uh, Tom Downey. So maybe, just maybe, George Russell could pull something off. Or oh, all the Tifi for that matter. You know, the Tifi's not had a bad season at all, really. Yeah, um, you know, we saw sort of even before coming into the season, we saw the Williams were setting up their car for more peak downforce, which is always going to favour qualifying and then have a bit of a detrimental effect in the race. Which I think it's safe to say we've seen a few times this year when Russell has got it up into these higher positions and then sort of slipped back in the field and to lesser extent the Sifi as well. Um, I think I think Jed, uh, I can't remember what the first name of the track is, but let's call it Jed. I think Jed is going to be, it's going to be a bit like Monaco or Hungary where track position is going to be key. Um, so qualifying is going to be pretty, imp- well, you know, it's always important, obviously, but it's going to be, even more important this weekend, uh, next weekend, even. Because, um, sorry, excuse me. Um, yeah, uh, track position is going to be super, super important in, in, in qualifying. 
Um, if the Williams can at least hold on to a position at the start, you know, if if they manage to get one car into, into Q2, which isn't out the realms of possibility, you know, especially if that Mercedes power unit, if it is even half as good as how it is in the back of the Mercedes works car, it should give them a decent shove down the straight. Whether they'll actually get points, though, I don't think so. Um, I think what we saw in... Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. What we saw in Hungary was a bit of a freak result because look at the rest of the race around it. You know, we had bowling ball Bottas at the start um, that took out one and a half of the Red Bulls um, and then it just flipped the race on its head. Ocon lucked into that position and it just meant the order was jumbled up. We had a hat in the points for God's sake. Um, you know, so, you know, it, it was it was very much a, you know, it was very much a sort of um, left field left field race, and I think that was how uh, I think Williams were almost a bit lucky to get those points. But the George Russell podium in uh, in Brazil, yes, okay, if you take the the race out of it from uh, not Brazil, Belgium, even you would take the race result and use that the inverted commas out of it. He still put that car P was he P two P three in Belgium? He was second, yeah. Yeah, he was second. That's right. Yeah, you know he still put it P two in the wet. Mm. You know, you know a car that has you know not been that far down the grid since. Uh, sorry, not that, not that, um, not that far out the grid since about twenty eighteen was stroll or twenty seventeen was stroll. Um, and and then obviously that. You know that that race that wasn't a race. You know, I think that probably artificially inflated their points a fair amount. And I think if we'd have had a race, a proper race there, even if it, you know, even if it would have been on the safety car for say twenty laps, we would have seen Russell slip down the order a lot more. Um, mm. And going off that and going off re- re- recent results, um, it looks like Williams have stopped development for twenty twenty one altogether. Which I don't blame them because I think, well, I'm sure I've said it before, they're not going to catch. Aston Martin in P7 or, or whoever's in P7 at the moment. And realistically, Alfa Romeo are not going to catch Williams. So there's no point wasting resources, you know, both financial resources, you know, human resources, all the rest of it, into developing the car for the rest of 2021 when, when everything is completely overhauled next year. Um, I don't blame them for basically basically saying, right, we're done with 2021. See the season now. Obviously, George is going to go into Mercedes next year. They're not doing the end of season test um, for reasons. Uh, you know, I think is the best way to put it. So, I'm, I don't, I don't expect much from them uh, this this weekend. As, as harsh as it sounds, I think qualifying, like I said, it might they might get a decent quality result for Williams, but it's probably not going to be anything to phone home about. And if we have a race without incident which I think we might um they're just gonna end up getting swallowed up by the pack. Yeah despite despite some of the results they've, they've produced throughout the season, you know, and some of the qualifying performances in particular of George Russell, it is unlikely that Williams will score points. It is possible of course, but it's unlikely. And I think it's probably even more unlikely that Alpha and May are going to score points this weekend, Owen. It's although saying that Gimme Raikkonen he has been producing some decent performances. He has had a few eight places to kind of get Alfa Romeo a bit closer to Williams, but they're still 12 points off, which is more points than what they have already. So 
I think the whole team really is looking forward to 2022 and both their drivers are looking forward to leaving. Yeah. Um, I mean, technically it's possible, uh, but it would, like you say, it would be, it would mean over doubling their points tally uh, currently, which is highly unlikely um, within two races, let alone one. Um, you know, it could, it could be a case of they get the setup absolutely perfect and, you know, manage to profit off a lot of safety cars and things like that, but, or, or incidents or anything like that, but um, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, I don't, <laughs> I honestly don't think they've got the luck for it. And I don't, you know, it's, you know, as, as has been discussed at length, really, it's, there's not much more for our, for the drivers currently in Alfa Romeo, you know, and Kimi and, and Giovinazzi to do. Um, you know, Kimi's leaving. Um, so, you know, what, prerogative like it's got to sit in the back of your mind i'm sure he's the you know ever the professional but it's got to sit in the back of your mind of there's no real point to be to do this apart from to feel the contractual contractual obligations and giovanazzi is probably feeling the same you know he's he's looking to go to you know he, he's got a, a, a career in formula e to try and make something of um and again you know it's it's the last to him it's you know it's going to be the last time probably for a while if at all uh that he he drives a formula one car so there's again there's not that I, I can't imagine there being that drive to go and um, sort of try and steal steal that eighth place off off Williams and 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 even if there was, I don't think they could do it anyway. Um, so I think it's just you know t- t- somehow don't lose eleven points to Haas is ultimately their goal um, for for the last two races and and I I think that's fairly easy for them to avoid. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be difficult for them. <laughs> No, I I I, th- I think they've got that one sewn up. Really, I think they're going to get ninth place. <laughs> I, don't, I I don't see how Hassi are uh, going to be able to um, <laughs> score any points, let alone twelve. I it's just it's just not happening, really. Um, but yeah, uh, Tom Horrocks is an absolute um, absolute warrior. You know, he does not feel particularly well at the moment, but he's still come on the show today. And just to make him feel a little bit better, now it's your time to talk about Hass, Tom. So how how do you think? How do you think Haas are going to get on this weekend? Ah, uh, yeah, great. <laughs> can, can I go back to bed now? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, if I could just divert very slightly, I've just a nice little tidbit I've just noticed while looking up trying to find something interesting to talk about for Haas. Um, I just noticed something which I did not realise in that if you were to pick one team on the grid, who do you think has finished the most races? as a team this entire season? I probably would say Haas because they're so far at the back, they don't get tangled up with anybody else. It's not Haas, but that was my initial thought, thinking, oh, well, they've only had six retirements, or four of which have is been it massive. Alpha? Have been. It is Alpha. Yeah. You guess they've had one retirement all season, and that was Kimi Raikkonen in, in Portugal. Every, they finished when every other race. Teammate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but they finished every other race. So uh, it's not often I kind of volunteer to talk about Alfa Romeo for obvious reasons. At least at least Haas have got, you know, something tangible you can get your teeth into, whereas Alfa Romeo are just like, just like a blancmange, really. There's just nothing about them. But um, but with, with regards to Haas, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they... Their, their only hope would have been uh, if they could luck into a reasonable points finish, but can you see them scoring 11 points? <laughs> no. Uh, they, they've got nothing, really. They're, they're only... I mean, even Mazepid now, bless him, has gone back to his his old chassis, the one that was, you know, a, a lot heavier and wider and, and, you know, 
it might even offer them a little bit more stability than the, than the current chassis they've got because um, you go on board with that Haas and uh, it's just an absolute nightmare. And I watched the uh, the onboard from the start of his race in Qatar just because I thought I want to see what happens in a race from Mazapan's perspective at the start of a race. And I went on the onboard all through the formation lap and everything and it was all, all looking great, all looking grand. Um, and there was a slight tyre offset in his defence in that Mick was on the softs and he was on the mediums. But just from the start, he was he was 10 metres behind before they'd even, you know, before they'd even finished off, um, you know, the first phase of the start. They get down to the, they get down to the, um, the first corner and he's, he's nowhere near even a possibility of overtaking. And then he goes through turn two and then he goes off the track completely on his own. And again, it's because the car just snaps for, for absolutely no reason, seemingly. And then, you know, he's, he's a fair distance behind by the end of the first lap. And that car is just an absolute nightmare to drive. And, you know, we all have a good laugh at Mazapan, and for you know, for a lot of the time, it's deserved as well for for good reason. But that car looks like an absolute dog, and uh, and in the hands of Mick, it doesn't look great either. But particularly with his chassis, uh, for the last few races, he is going to be behind by a country mile, and uh, and he's going to be an absolute laughing stock. And you know, it 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 can't be fun for him at all. I mean, you know, it's. <laughs> You know, my heart bleeds for him, but you know, it's not it's not going to be fun, and he it is going to be just how many times is he going to be lapped? How much is he going to be getting out of people's way? Particularly him, and uh, and and Mick, as I say, is not going to be particularly much better either, because you know, it's it, it's just it's just not going to suit them in any sense whatsoever. There's absolutely nothing that they're fighting for now. They're short on parts. They've had no upgrades all season, and. They've got no points. They won't get points. There's absolutely nothing to fight for. I mean, there's even uh, I saw a story this morning about Dimitri Mazepin is is on about bringing in an incentive scheme for the for the uh, for the engineers. Like if if they score points or if they get better performances, and it's like that's not going to help. You know, what you're going to do? You could offer them a million for a point. It's not going to make that car score a point. It's it. It's just like it's like fighting with one hand with both hands tied behind your back. It's it's, it's like the, uh, the 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 Black Knight in uh, <laughs> in that Monty Python film, <laughs> yeah. you know, just jumping around with no arms. It's only a flesh wound. It's fine. We can still win this race. So no, it's there's absolutely nothing that they can fight for now. So yeah, it's just get to get through these last few races and uh, and just go again next year. But even next year, what are they going to do? They've not. This car is effectively the same car from 2019. Can, are you seriously telling me they've got a car that's going to? Uh, in their back pocket that Delara have designed in conjunction with various other people, you know, in this IKEA plug and play type car that they've got, <laughs> it's not gonna, it's not gonna jump forward. I mean, it will, it will certainly be better than it is at the moment, but it's not gonna jump into the midfield or anything like that. I just hope, for the sake of competition, it can be, you know, in with a chance of not being the last car at some races. Uh, because, and genuinely, I would like to see Mazepin in a better car because. Let's be honest. If he's if he's at the back there and just just getting lapped left, right, and centre, getting in people's way, blue flags and stuff, that's no good for anyone. If we need to know mm. if he's actually any good, and if he's in a better car and he's fighting with people on track for position for points, then we'll know if he's a decent driver or not. Because at the moment, there's always that question mark of, well, is it the car? You know, the car's so terrible. In the same way that people say about Hamilton and Verstappen, it's just the car. There's no, you know, you put him in a Haas, they'll never score points. I want to see him in a better car next year. I want to see Mick in a better car next year because there's always the whole... Um, 
question mark about you know his lineage and everything and and is he just there because of his dad's name and nepotism and all that so I want to see the Haas get better next year because I want to see them fighting for points just to see how good they are because they are the there's no barometer for those two whatsoever we don't know how good they are and I want to know so yeah that's that's kind of that's that's ass for you I managed to talk about them for a bit (laughs) He did a very good job there. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, that's that's more than I could ever talk them, talk <laughs> talk about them for. That's uh, yeah, that, that's the thing for them. At the end of the day, that their season was written off before it was almost begun. I mean, they, they were never going to upgrade the car. It's not changed at all. And because of everybody else upgrading their cars, it's just got steadily and steadily worse as the season's gone by. Yeah, that's. I mean, the, the most exciting thing for them, or at least for us, the viewer looking at them this weekend, is them potentially holding the leaders up because it's a very narrow track. It's very high speed. And they're very slow, so they're probably going to see the leaders at least twice as they're lapping them. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that one. Um, but do not expect anything from Haas. I mean, it's enough of a stretch to ask Williams and Alfa Romeo to score points. Haas is just not going to happen. They haven't scored anything all season. And for a team that was fighting for fourth place in what was it, twenty eighteen, something like that, this it's just an unbelievable drop off. It just shows you how quickly it can all turn around in Formula 1 for good and bad there's been some real good stories this season with teams doing a hell of a lot better like Ferrari and Williams but Haas are definitely one of the bad stories in how much they've slipped um, let's not forget Haas finished P6 on their debut in Australia in 2016 mm, yeah 2018 as well they got fourth and a fifth at Austria yep almost got a podium so they've had some great results it's just been this last few years just Wrong decision after wrong decision after after bad all, Ferrari engine. It's just it's just all compiled for him, hasn't yeah. it? It all started with rich energy. It did. It actually did. Yeah, that's where I think it they, started. They showed the uh, they showed what what model a new team needs to use to come into Formula One to make it affordable. And yeah, you know, just going in with this, buy as many parts as possible, integrate yourself in with another team. You know, they were in with Ferrari for a whole year, learning about how to drive the cars, and they had so many innovations and things from Ferrari that they could have used in that debut season, which filtered through for the second season. But if you look, that their cars kind of basically gone backwards since since they came into Formula One, and that's it's a great way to come into Formula One, but then you've got to invest in the infrastructure. Structure. because if you buy that team what are you buying you're buying a warehouse in i don't know is it banbury they're based or somewhere but you're just buying a warehouse in 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 a in an industrial estate and you're not really buying a formula one team because you're buying a, a chassis that someone else has designed you're buying an engine that someone else has designed you're buying listed parts that they're buying from somewhere else so you're buy you're buying the entry into formula one so you're save, saving yourself is it 200 million the entry fee to enter formula one now for a new team it so is, that's yeah. all you're doing when you're buying a buying hass so that means they're probably worth 201 million yeah, it's tricky. I mean, it's better than nothing. It's better than starting a, a team completely from scratch. But I do take your point. Yeah, it's not a complete team. If, you know, that it's not the whole. It's not the whole thing. They don't make their own engines either, obviously. So that's that's no big cost for you. Um, but yeah, those are all ten teams. Those are a lot of the drivers we spoke about as well uh, during the show. And now it's time to get into our predictions. And I think I honestly think Mercedes will probably have the edge this weekend. I, they seem to do well around cooler tracks i think it will be a cooler race despite obviously being in saudi it will be at night time so it should be relatively cool by f1 standards just like qatar was uh, a week ago so i'm gonna go with hamilton for the win and i'm gonna say that he'll get the fastest lap and i'm gonna say verstappen in second which will put them equal 
on points going into Yas Marina. I do think that could genuinely happen, but I think if Hamilton does win, I think it's more than likely that someone else will take the fastest lap, whether it's Verstappen or Perez. I don't think the guy who wins the race will get the fastest lap just because of the gaps. They're going to pit someone with a few laps to go, put the softs on, go for a hot lap, and they just take the fastest lap point away. So I don't think whoever's going to win is going to get the fastest lap, but I would like to see that happen. And third place, again, just because I think Mercedes have got the edge over Red Bull, I'm going to go with Valtteri Bottas. So, uh, Hambot there. I'm sorry, no, Ham, Ham there, Bot, nearly the classic. Those three guys though, have been on the podium a lot together. Um, Tom Horrocks, what's your top three predictions? Strap yourself in, lads. This is going to be... <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. 6,175 <laughs> metres of pure carnage. Uh, I'm I'm going to go for a Mercedes win, but it's going to be Valtteri Bottas getting the inaugural victory. We're followed in second by Sergio Perez with Lando Norris completing the podium. <laughs> uh, Verstappen and Hamilton taking each other out. Uh, certainly not going to be in the top three. I think there's going to be something going on there. Whether, whether it be with them both or whether it be separate incidents, I think there's going to be something. This title battle has has gone on so long that something is going to happen just to just to energize it that one more there's one more twist because when we go to Abu Dhabi you know um this yeah, track changes aside there's not really going to be anything exciting happening there we, we don't imagine so I, I I think there's there's still space for one more twist in this championship whether it be Hamilton riding home fourth um to to bring that that gap down to a to a narrow uh, to a narrow gap going into the final race with Verstappen out the race I'm not sure but uh I just think that it's we're going to have a bit of a crazy race um and but probably not for good reasons it's probably going to be non-racing reasons that make it crazy right okay well, you never know anything's possible anything can happen in formula 1 and it usually does uh Tom Downey what's your predictions um I'm a bit thrown now because Tom you really put me off then <laughs> <laughs> just like this way you said Bottas was like what um, yeah wasn't expecting that and I think Bottas probably be about seventh um, no I I don't want him to because I want my boy Max to obviously win the title but I do think Hamilton will win um, I think I think Max will come home P2 and pick up the fastest lap as for P3 anybody's guessing it um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Perez. I got face. All right, all right. So, Owen, what's your pick for your top three? I'm gonna go Hamilton win, and then I'm imagining, oh no, Bottas has accidentally hit Verstappen because you wouldn't ooh, leave it to the last ooh. race to do it. Um, Cynic. Yeah, you wouldn't, leave, you wouldn't leave it to the last race to do it. Uh, you know, he's just locked up. Break magic again. It's weird that we took it off that tog, uh, off that. Uh, you got to hold it down thing that we've that they've changed it to now. Uh, and then so, you know, so you get Paris second, and then let's go Leclerc third. It, do, it does seem like there's going to be something that happens, whether it's this weekend, whether it's next weekend in Abu Dhabi. That it does feel like there's going to be there's going to be one more incident. There's one more in there. It's going to be in the final race. Tricky. It's, you know, it's going to be in Abu Dhabi. There's going to be something that happens in Abu Dhabi. They have to, both of them have to just try everything, especially if they're like level on points. Whoever's behind has nothing to lose at that point. Right. I just just had a thought. Imagine the scenes, right? Hamilton wins and gets fast to slap next mm. week, and they go into Abu Dhabi, level on points. I don't, I don't want to think about Max, it, that. Max qualifies P2. Hamilton puts it on pole. <laughs> 
the lights drop. They both get a sensational launch. They head up to turn one. Max looks at Lewis and goes, not today, sunshine. Accidentally forgets to brake. Both cars out. Both DNF. Max wins the championship because he's had more wins this season. Absolute scenes and Netflix would have a wet dream. Closest championship ever. It's never been decided on level points. It's, yeah. Never happened. Half a point is the record. Never zero. God, they must be close on wins, though, as well. How many of each of them had? So if Hamilton, if if Hamilton, Hamilton wins, wins this weekend... If Hamilton wins in Abu Dhabi, they'll be level. But so they be, can't... Uh, but they if can't, they're level, then they can't, they can't tie on points and be, both be level on yeah, wins. There's no mathematical scenario where Hamilton can win and they finish level on points. Doesn't it go back to pole positions? Like, assuming... No, no, it, does it? After wins, it goes to pole positions. I does believe. it? I thought, yeah. it went to, I thought it went to seconds. No, 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 it goes to pole. Max has I'm, got... Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's there's no scenario where that can happen, unfortunately, because that Hamilton be... has to finish ahead. Then Lewis yeah. doesn't need to win the last two, but he. But should. if he does, he's, if he does, he's champion. Yeah, so this is what I mean. I don't think it's essential that you you go into the last race with a lead. All you got to do is go into the race. Um, you've got to go into the last race eight points. Uh, so basically, within the, the, that pocket, so that if you win and second place gets the fastest lap, they can't win. So. Um, if, we get, if we get into that, so so winning is enough. And currently, mm. if Hamilton wins at the weekend, then winning will be enough. And that's the same for Verstappen. If uh, if they go level on points, then a win will be enough for Verstappen. So I don't think Verstappen will risk anything this weekend, but he certainly will next weekend because he's got nothing to lose. If he's behind on track, then he'll sling one up the inside, and it will be one of those. Well, I don't want us to crash, but if we do, that's on you. Yeah. Yeah, leaves it up to Hamilton to make the decision effectively. God, if we go if we go in level on points so that like to to Abu Dhabi, like can someone who's writing the script for this turn it turn the drama down a bit to like ten or eleven out of ten? God, that yeah. It, honestly, I'm getting I'm getting tense just thinking about those scenarios that we can throw it out so far. I cannot wait wait for this. Just uh, just two weeks to go, pretty much from when we're recording this. So yeah, it's it's. It's exciting. It's something. It's it was your Formula One. <laughs> it's Formula One. That's the thing. And you know, as we all know, Formula One is boring and predictable. So there we go. <laughs> you know, which you could never tell by listening to our podcast. Um, but there, yeah, <laughs> there we go. But yeah, those are our predictions. Uh, I'm going to let you guys uh, plug your outlets as well. So Tom Horace, I've mentioned that you are a part of the Monkey Seat Podcast. What is that, and where can people find it? Yeah, it's Monkey Seat Podcast at Monkey Seat Pods um, on the on the socials and monkeyseatpod.com is the website. Uh, we're on all major podcasting platforms. We just talk rubbish about Formula One, two mates having a laugh, chatting through uh, our, our own uh, our own individual views and uh, and some interesting takes from time to time. So yeah, come and give us a listen if you want something a bit more a bit more laid back and a bit more a uh, bit more casual. Yeah, and the good thing about Monkey Seat as well is that they cover other series as well. It's not just Formula One, it's Formula E, uh, Extreme E, Formula Two, Formula Three, when Formula Three is obviously running. It's not, but F2 uh, season decider, I think. Well, no, no, it's Abu Dhabi, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. they've got two more, two more rounds. Two more rounds, but yeah, like, as we mentioned, uh, F2 this week, <laughs> this weekend, with, with how those drivers defend, it, it, it could be very interesting around a tight track like Saudi, I'll be honest, but there we go. Um, Tom Downey. I've mentioned that you are a part of the EF1 team. Uh, what is that? And you guys obviously have the uh, the podcast as well. Yes. So I'm part of Everything F1, as you can see, wrong hand here. Forgot my forgot my <laughs> images flipped. 
Um, <laughs> you had a 50 50 chance. I know. <laughs> and he also just yeah. picked Schumacher's nose as well. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah, no, it's, yeah. So, um, yeah, I really feel for our video viewers, um, audio listeners, you don't know what you're missing out on. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm part of everything I've won. So we have the website everythingf1.com, uh, where you can find articles, race reviews, track guides, all that lovely stuff. Uh, we have big presence on Facebook. Our page has uh, I think we're up to twenty six thousand followers now. Um, and we also have our group, the Everything F1 Paddock. Uh, we have Instagram and Facebook. They're both at Join EF1. And what else? We have a YouTube channel and a Discord server. Also, obviously, I mentioned we've got the Everything F1 podcast, uh, which usually comes, which usually goes out on a Wednesday or a Thursday. You can find that on our website, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Amazon, all the sort of good podcasting locations. Yeah, definitely check those guys out. They obviously get some uh, big guests on as well onto their show. Uh, very regular with the with the podcast like us as well. So yeah, definitely give uh, the Everything F1 podcast a uh, uh, listen if you've not yet done so. Owain, oh, as the uh, as the as the races are earlier in the day now, the greatest article series on the internet is back. Can you tell us some more about it? Yeah, the resident millennial uh, makes <laughs> meme reviews. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no i uh, I, I, t- I take the young person's look at formula one uh every week and uh and make sort of a meme article of uh just recapping the race events usually um but via the format of memes because it's no fun writing your own articles uh, writing writing your own uh recap um sorry uh God, I've forgotten the word. It's it's no fun writing your own sort of version of events when you can uh you know find a meme and it'll tell it in a funny way um so yeah, we take a, I take a look through that every week and uh, and then post it on sportlightpro.com if you uh, if you want to see that. Um there's one for almost all of the seasons so far, but you know, you know, what with uh, what with the last few there's uh, there's been a small hiatus, but it's come back. Um it's slightly worse than before, but do take a look. Oh, talking like a true salesman there, Wade. Fantastic. Um <laughs> It's bad, go buy it. <laughs> Honesty is good, though. Honesty is good. There's there's real integrity to honesty. In 1970s so, um... Ford, all over. <laughs> right. So uh, let's let's talk about our show as well now. Obviously, I've mentioned that we do have some merchandise that's available on the F1 Chronicle uh, website. Just go to f1chronicle.com forward slash store to be able to check out our uh, merchandise. Uh, we, we have T-shirts, we have hoodies, all that good stuff. So go and check that out. Obviously, you can win some of that stuff as well by entering the competition. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, comment on the on the video itself, and leave us a five star review on iTunes. That's free opportunities you guys have to win some free merchandise. Uh, but obviously, if you do want to support us financially as well, you can uh, get in touch uh, with an order with our store and order some merchandise on there, as well as go on our Patreon as well. I think we've had our first Patreon subscriber um, come and support the. Uh, come and support the podcast as well which is fantastic thank you very much for that um we've just hit 300 subscribers on youtube as well so make sure you go on there we do broadcast the show live as it goes out you can see it unedited you can see it completely live which especially comes in handy for the qualifying reviews and the race reviews as well because they are right after the race and qualifying sessions pretty much uh we're also available on uh, spotify apple music amazon music verbal omni studio and pocket cast as well and you can check out our back catalogue of shows as well over 150 episodes now to get through they are all on f1chronicle.com 
Uh, and something else I need to mention as well. Now I wasn't on what any of the uh, the shows around the Qatar Grand Prix uh, last week, but I am on this one. Obviously, the preview for the for the Saudi Grand Prix, and I got in touch with the other guys on this. And as you can see, the people have uh, who are watching on the video, we've all got the rainbow flags in various forms in our backgrounds as well. And we just want to say that you know we support you guys, whatever your views are at the end of the day, and we don't agree basically with uh, Formula One going to countries like Saudi Arabia and like Qatar, it's pretty much illegal to be gay or be anywhere on the LGBT spectrum um, and try and promote this image of we race as one because they just clearly race for the money. I think they just, you know, we race for cash. I think that's what they've kind of parried it as. And the fact that we're going, going to be permanently going to Saudi and Qatar uh, countries that have, let's just say really bad regimes, countries that obviously, I mean, People who have followed football and followed the World Cup stadia being built will know how many workers, quote unquote, I say quote unquote workers because they're not very, they're not paid and they're not exactly going voluntarily either, have died during the construction of that. And to Formula One to to celebrate, oh, it's a year to go until the Qatar World Cup last week, you know, it just kind of reeks. And I had to say something about it. And I'm glad you guys are obviously with us on that one as well. Um, and obviously, everybody at f1 chronicle everybody at uh, f1 grid talk as well you know we, we accept you guys just keep being you keep doing you at the end of the day um didn't write if i didn't really write down a speech for this one i just kind of this one off the cuff i hope i got my points across there. If there's anything you guys want to add to that as well feel free very very well put george couldn't put it better myself 100 percent agree yeah absolutely I, I don't have anything to add just i just echo everything you just said Thank you, lads. Do appreciate it. And uh, and yeah, so we'll be back on Saturday to analyse qualifying for the first Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And until the next one, goodbye, guys.